Have you ever logged into your online banking account only to find out that it's closed? That's what happened to me when I signed up for my first business banking account. I bet you can see why I'd be interested in Aslo, a banking platform made for small businesses. Instead of the days or weeks it takes to apply for an account at a traditional bank, where you're still required to go in in person, with Aslo, you just go to azlo.com and apply in as little as 10 minutes. And there is no waiting to use your account. With Aslo's free instant funding feature, you can deposit up to $1,000 and access it in your account instantly. I recommend signing up now because Aslo was created for us, giving us one less worry regarding our money. Sign up right now with no minimum deposit at azlo.com, aslo.com slash spq and get a free copy of Aslo's Small Business Starter Guide, spelled A-Z-L-O dot com slash S-P-Q, and sign up with a free Small Business Starter Guide and no minimum deposit, aslo.com slash S-P-Q. This podcast is a part of the Maisie Media Network, a community of podcasts for women by women. Hey girl, hey, and thanks for dropping in to the Switch, Pivot, or Quit podcast. Candid convo for the girl needing a lifestyle plot twist when she's deciding if it's time to switch, pivot, or quit. I'm Ayana Angel, a former sports entertainment publicist in New York City turned traditionally published author with Simon & Schuster who quit my old life to write a book, live in London for a bit, and explore my dreams to find my happiness and fulfillment. I'm here to help encourage and guide you through your plot twist years as your chief encourager and host of the Switch, Pivot, or Quit podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes if you have enjoyed listening to this podcast so far. And check out switchpivotorquit.com for even more personal and professional development resources. But for now, just sit back, open your mind, and enjoy the show. On today's show, we're chatting with Monica Stevens, a.k.a. Mo Knows Hair. She's a licensed cosmetologist, stylist, and product innovator whose family was in the hair business, and her first memories of hairstyling included her cutting and curling her doll's hair and then her own by the fifth grade. In college, she did hair out of her dorm room for friends before big events and parties, but to advance her natural skills, She went on to complete her cosmetology certification at Aveda Institute in New York on a full scholarship from the brand, who she also now works with as an ambassador. For three years, Monica owned and operated a salon in Manhattan, and she helped hundreds of curly women, men and children, learn proper hair care styling techniques. At the height of the natural hair movement, she was at the epicenter with more than 900,000 social media followers on all platforms combined. She's worked with brands like L'Oreal, Cream of Nature, Dove, just to name a few. However, now she's made a pivot, and we all know that's challenging for most. Mo is now working with Sally Beauty to develop the Mo Nose Hair Curl Collection, and it has been doing amazing. So we're excited to hear from this seasoned entrepreneur and businesswoman. Let's dive in. Welcome to the show, Monica, a.k.a. Mo Nose Hair. <laughs> Hello, thank you. How are you? 
I am doing wonderful. How are you? Very well, very well, and excited to um, speak with you today and have this conversation because I'm sure that so many people are just as curious about your background and how you've managed to do the things that you've done as well as I am. So let's start off with your early years. What was your very first paying job and what were you doing? Oh, girl, let's see. (laughs) (laughs) My very first, okay, so the very first time I earned money for doing something was actually charging people at school to do their hair when I was in middle school. Oh, Um, wow. Okay. (laughs) I kept a curling iron in my backpack. No. Um, Yes, I did. Um, (laughs) Gel, bobby pants. I was doing French rolls in between classes at lunch, waterfalls. I'm telling my age now. No, waterfalls, yeah, I know all about it. (laughs) Finger waves, you know, all that. Mm. So that was like the the beginning of like earning money for doing something. Um, My first actual official job on a payroll was actually with the Kansas City Symphony in the ticket subscription office. I played in bands and pit orchestra. Um, show choir, all that stuff in high school. So I was working for the symphony as well. So that was the first like payroll. Right. Wow. That's awesome. That's a first. I haven't heard that one. (laughs) That's pretty dope. So talk to us a little bit about how we got to where we are now. What has your career trajectory been like? and, and, And how did we get to the place now where we have our own product line, honey? Okay. So hopefully this timeline will be a testament to you that you never know what you're going to be doing until you're doing it. So, Mm -hmm. um, I went to Latin grammar schools, K through eight, nine through 11, because I graduated high school a year early. I went to a performing arts high school, went to undergrad at university of Missouri, Columbia, majored in business marketing, after I figured out that um, full-time musicians are a very big hit or miss on the income side, I was like, let's not major in music. Let's go for something (laughs) where I'm going to be able to find work after college because I don't have a trust fund or a silver spoon. So did that, ended up working for General Electric in the PR comm department, um, Global, So did that for a few years, then I switched paths over to higher ed, moved back to Kansas City, was working in branding and advertising for the um, community college system there. Did that for nine years. Um, During that time, I got my master's in Mm -hmm. business marketing, was um, in charge of a lot of stuff at church, in the music ministry, you Mm -hmm. know, lots of community involvement, all of that, all the while, ever since I was 10, still doing other people's hair, friends and family, you know, the kitchen beautician, for sure. Um, Somewhere around 2012, I was like, "Hmm, okay, I would love to have a career in beauty. That would be so dope. So I was applying for jobs in, um, with the big boys, your Estee Lauder, your L'Oreal, you know, the big guys, right? And nobody was calling me back. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, eh, okay, I know what I'm missing. I, I know what it is. It's because I don't have beauty industry experience. I have the degree. Oh. I have, you know, marketing experience. But a lot of those jobs want you to have some kind of connection to the industry some kind of way. And I'm like, okay, let mm-hmm. me create the experience I don't have. Okay. That's mm-hmm. where the blog came from. That's where the YouTube channel came from. It was like, okay, 
Um, this is a way for me to put some experience in a portfolio format that's visible, that can be shared, that I can put on my resume. So that was the beginning of that. So I started out with social media, just kind of posting um, what I was doing to my hair. Lots of other pages were reposting um, my, my, my images to their pages, pages like Curlbox, Teen Natural, just a whole bunch of pages. And this is all before Instagram went algorithm on us. And right. <laughs> this is back when you could use um, Instagram to actually talk to people because you could figure out what time of day people were paying attention and online because of the right. response you got because it was chronological. Mm -hmm. there, was, there was nothing interrupting it. So building an audience there was definitely more doable because the platform was not messing with you yet. Right. So gained all these followers after I reached like maybe 30,000 or so. I was like, okay, I guess I can go ahead and do these YouTube videos. Mm. Um, so did the same thing over on Facebook. Again, this is before they got to jacking around with how your timeline works. YouTube channel is going, brands are reaching out. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just posting stuff that I like, posting stuff that I use, sharing stuff. The brands start reaching out. I start doing activations. Come the following year, I'm getting, you know, asked to travel for stuff, doing events. So by 2015, I started the blog in September of 2013, officially. And by May of 2015, I decided to quit my job. Oh, wow. So where were you working at this present time when you started the blog? I was at the community college uh, system, Metropolitan Community College in Kansas City. Okay. Um, managing branding and advertising. For okay. Mm -hmm. So I okay. still had my desk job the whole way through. My wow. A week at work and I mm -hmm. would do my... Um, you know, video content, blog content, social media content and stuff after work and on the weekends in the midst of, you know, church activity and other stuff. So I, I definitely was working all the way through mm -hmm. and I saved everything I earned as a blogger. I just saved because I was already mm -hmm. conditioned to living on the salary I was making. Right. Now, you when you started the blog, you started it with the understanding of it being a vehicle to help you get your foot in the door into beauty. Right. Did that ever change or were you still sticking with that vision, even though you were starting to see some traction from the blog? Like, did you know what the blog could be, I guess? I did not know. And okay. that's what I'm saying. You do not know what's going to happen until you get to the door. I mean, your gifts make room for you if you're going into the right room. Mm -hmm. So once I started to realize like, okay, I'm actually making money here and I'm actually making the kind of money I make at my full-time job, if not more, mm -hmm. hmm, right. maybe I don't need to work for these brands. Maybe I can just work with them. And partnership form and then I'm not limited to any one particular thing so um I that's why I decided to quit my job and I moved to New York um because I knew I needed to get closer to mm -hmm. where brands exist because in the beauty industry there ain't but a few places you're going to find a concentrated amount of corporate brands it's going to be New York it's going to be LA right um it's going to be maybe some Atlanta but I mean a little bit of Chicago here and there but overall the the things are going to happen in New York in the beauty industry. That's just where they are. It's kind of like, if you want to be in the room, you got to be in the room. Mm -hmm. Now, what go. was that decision process like? You 
thinking through like, okay, I'm going to quit this job. And not only am I going to quit, I'm going to uproot my life and move to New York. What went into making that decision? And was it a hard decision for you? Um, I, first of all, looked at it from a practical standpoint. Okay, here's the money I've saved from blogging for the last year and a half, right? Mm -hmm. Did some calculations. I actually had a really good friend that lived there that was also from Kansas City. She was like, girl, if you move here, I'll be your roommate. No problem. (laughs) So, you know, getting information from her about what does it look like to live there? What does it cost? So she's running stuff down to me. I'm crunching the numbers. I figure out with myself. If I don't make another dime for a year and a half, Mm -hmm. I can live there. Okay. That's how I had to look at it. Now, I knew I would still continue to be able to make money with my blog, but in my mind, it was, if I don't make another dime, Mm -hmm. this is how long I can be there to try to figure something else out. Mm. So that gave me at least comfort financially. That was one. Um, Two is um, always bet on black bet it on the house. That's just Uh what it is. Like if you, you can't just look at what may happen or what may come because in order to elevate, in order to grow, in order to get whatever it is you're trying to do, you cannot be risk averse like that. Like you're going to have to go in blind. You're not going to know what's on the other side. No one who's done something you admire knew that day what was coming. Like right. Steve Jobs wasn't Steve Jobs until he was Steve Jobs. Oprah wasn't Oprah until she was Oprah. Right. <laughs> like right, right, yeah. That's very true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You just gotta go. You just gotta bet on yourself and, and go. And I also, to be fair, you know, do not have children, do not have a spouse to consider. It was only my decision. Right. So when you get to New York, what are some of the first things that you do to lay the groundwork to say, hey, I'm here, I'm available? What was going through your mind in terms of how maybe your business that you were developing was going to change now that you've relocated to sort of like a hot spot? So the blog was still functioning as, you know, digital, you can do from anywhere. So making tutorials that work was, you know, still flowing the same. Mm -hmm. Um, I just had to reconfigure kind of like my setup for filming and stuff, which was a little difficult because I had to definitely downsize. Downsize, (laughs) yeah. Jesus, I was like, oh, Lord. Yeah. I live in a box. Right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, you know, we make it work. So something I did before um, I moved was reach out to all of the brands that I have already had connections to and say, Hey, just want to let you know, I'm moving. Um, Here's my new address. I would love to, you know, make sure you add me to any um, invites you have for events and stuff. If they're in New York, uh, blah, 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 you know, just kind of like what's going on. And so after being there for a couple months, I just gotten there, gotten situated, and um, I had a good relationship with the global comm leader at Aveda. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, hey, girl, you want to go to lunch? And I was like, hey, girl, yeah. So we go, <laughs> you know, because I had just got, she's like, are you settled enough to come out? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we go. Uh-huh. to lunch and it's her and the director of global Com. um and so we're just you know sitting there we're just talking about just all kinds of random stuff not even necessarily brand specific stuff and um she's just like so what are you getting ready to do and i was like you know i'm still trying to figure that out um mm. not really 100 percent sure you know i feel like you have a thought on this what is it because I, <laughs> I see your face and she's right. like how about 
you know, would you go to the Aveda Institute if we paid for you to go? And I was like, when do the classes start? <laughs> um, <laughs> that was so unexpected. It was so affirming mm. that, that, okay, I did not know that was coming, but I had to be there to do it. I couldn't have planned for that. Like, had I thought about getting my license at some point? Sure. Mm -hmm. I had also thought about um, having to take out student loans to do it. Right. So them yeah. saying, hey, we would love for you to go because there are other ways we want to be able to partner with you, but you're going to need a license to okay. be on certain sides of the fence. And in this, you know, it's people neglect to, to look at what are the licensures and what are the credentials you need to rise in a space? What mm -hmm. are they? Because for every industry, they're different. Uh -huh. So true. keep that in the back of your mind while you're building your thing. Make sure you're also getting yourself educated, credentialed where you can. Like, just don't forget that piece of the puzzle uh -huh. in your process. So that was definitely something I wanted to do, but I just had not taken the time to figure it out. God figured it out for me. Went to school uh, eight months later, got my certificate, went and took the test, got my license, opened a salon suite in Manhattan, and we were off to the race. Wow. Now, opening the salon suite in Manhattan, that seems like it could be intimidating because you hadn't even been there a year, right? Yeah, it's intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> So how did you wrap your mind around that? How, what, what was your approach? Why did you feel like you needed to open this salon suite? Like, was this like the next chapter of the evolution of your blog and brand and all of that? Or how did you sort of look at that? So for me, I wanted to be able to meet and connect with and learn more about this group of women that I am only at this point really exposed to digitally with the exception of, you know, maybe a few events and stuff like right. being able to touch hair, do hair, see people in person, go back and forth with people with questions and figure out what's going on. It definitely deepens your, your skill set and broadens what you understand to be going on in the space because I understood the industry very well from the from the brand perspective, from the beauty brand perspective, but the consumer perspective is very different. And there's mm. a big old gap in there. Right. Um, because what what brands think consumers are doing is not always the case. What brands assume consumers will do is usually not the case. And there's that deep disconnect there. So I'm like, okay. I would like to try this and I'm just like, okay, God, if it's supposed to work, mm -hmm. you're going to do your thing. So we're going to try it. And again, backing into it with the, if I had to get out of this, could I? Okay. You know, like you mm -hmm. have to think what worst case scenario, if this happens, what do I do next? Well, I'm not buying a storefront. I'm renting. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, if I, I, you know, I asked that question going in, hey, if I needed to break this lease, what's the clause? How do I get out? And you know, we had that discussion. So it's like, okay, I know what I'm on the hook for. I know what, what I have to be accountable for. So feeling safe on that end, because I feel like God wants us to take steps, but God don't want us to be goofballs and go out here and make messes. On right. <laughs> now, like, don't be, a, don't make a mess on purpose. Exactly. And, if it can be um, avoided. Mm -hmm. You know, at least try to try, make sure you've gathered your information and done your homework. Right. And God will do the rest for sure. But, mm -hmm. um, it, it was definitely intimidating. It was definitely hard. It was exhausting because I was still 
doing brand work, still creating content, still doing events. And it was around that time that I also, you know, put it in, in, the, in the atmosphere with Sally Beauty to become their texture stylist. Cause I'm like, okay, you guys don't have a, a, a person that is facing the public as a texture expert, but mm -hmm. you're expanding your multicultural offering exponentially. Mm -hmm. who's, speaking to your, who's speaking to this audience for you? When you go to these events, who's, who's standing there? So right. they were like, you know what, girl, you got a good point. Come on over. Okay, so wait, 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 wait. <laughs> you obviously had a relationship with them because you were I able did. to bring up this conversation. I've done tu I've done tutorials for them, like you know, as a blogger, like done some different tutorials. Of, like probably, I think a good three or four mm -hmm. um, paid activations through them. Okay. And so okay. I did know some people in house and. So I was able to be like, hey, can I ask you a question? Or hey, can I talk to you about this? I have to go after the thing. But I, what I want to know about is the preparation. Did you feel like you needed to prepare for this conversation or approach the conversation in a certain way? Or did you just feel like, hey, I have this relationship with them. So I'm going to casually mention this and see if they're receptive to it. How much do you prepare? or do Exactly. You okay, so I'm going to be honest. I let it fly. Okay. Okay. I, just, I had a conversation. I, I had a good working relationship with the marketing manager and also the social media manager. We were at um, an event that I had been invited to as an influencer. And I just kind of threw it out there so I could see the facial expressions. Mm. And they're like, oh. And then I was like, all right, let me, can, can I get something on your calendar next week mm. to actually talk about it for real? Okay. And then when you were, when that meeting was set, what were you thinking? Do I need to go in here with numbers? Do I need to prove the case to them? Or should I just talk about what my thoughts are? I just basically, basically presented, here's what I want to do. Here's why it's a benefit to you. I don't know. It's like, I don't know what they're doing as a business to talk numbers with them. You know what I mean? Right. I don't have access to that. So I don't want to go into the, this is a $2 billion industry. I don't do that. <laughs> what? <Right. laughs> they know the stats. You know what I mean? Like they know the percentages. They know who's buying at their stores. They know how many women ages 25 to 44, African-American, blah, 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 are shopping. They know that stuff. Mm -hmm. They know. I don't need to tell them that. What I need to tell them is, here's what I know how to do. Here's what I've already done in this space. Here's my connection to this, this group of people you are trying to target. And they are my largest target is your largest target in the multicultural space. That much I know. Mm -hmm. And you don't have a person. I need to be your person. And, you know, I just, I just feel like if you can present something in a way where you are providing benefit and you can explain what your benefit is, you're much more likely to get a yes than just saying, let me know if you have any opportunities. Well, you're putting it on, on the other person to figure out how to work with you. Right. And maybe it wasn't already on their radar. So because this is sort of like your idea, you kind of have to push it a little bit more. You have to, you, you have, to have a reason why they should entertain what, what you're saying you want right. to do. Like when you want to partner with a brand, a person, a, a organization, whatever it is, you have to go in and be able to state why you're there, what you're going to do, and what the benefit is to them. Mm -hmm. People who work at these brands, these people are overloaded. They are busy. They are all over the place. They, they're not going to sit down and figure out how to work partner with you. 
If right. you're just reaching out with general, hey, I'd love to work together. Um, let me know if you have any opportunities. Mm-mm, ain't gonna cut it. You need to be like, here's what I want to do. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And here's why it benefits you. And here's right. my receipts for why I know how to do what I'm telling you. Right. Okay. So now let's talk about this piece because this is the piece I feel like people don't talk about that much. The negotiation, the pitching of the idea. Okay. Actually, let's take a step back. The pitching of the idea is one thing, right? Getting them interested is another thing. Then the positioning of you actually working with them. So once you realize that they're interested, what's going through your mind in terms of how you need to position this to create value for yourself, uh, value in terms of your community or your own personal branding, as well as value as in money in your pocket. What does this look like? And was there any sort of hesitation because you brought this idea to them? Did you feel at any point like, oh gosh, I don't know if I should talk numbers with them or when I should talk numbers with them because I did approach them? Because a lot of us feel that way a lot of times. Are you looking to expand your team? Well, look no further than Indeed. Indeed Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering SPQ listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com SPQ. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash SPQ. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th, 2020. Yeah, the money talk is, I've, I've, I've heard a lot of people say the money talk is the hard talk for sure. Yeah. I, I went into it like this. Here's all the stuff I see you all doing. What else do you have slated? So tell me what else you're trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. Let me understand what some of the goals are. Okay, based on what you're saying, based on what I see, you need someone available to you all the time. To me, that says monthly retainer. Mm-hmm. To me, that says contract. Mm-hmm. Um, because based on all of the stuff that you're doing and all of the needs that you have, so let's talk about what's fair as a as a monthly um, retainer to right. have me available to you. And, and setting, you have to know what your boundaries are. If you have, like in this freelance space, you're typically working either off of an hourly rate or a day rate. That's usually the terminology that people are, are associating, right? For mm-hmm. any activation. So you have to know what your rate is. Mm-hmm. And you got to know what, you are, what, your, what your minimum is. You have to know what it is and you have to stick to it. Like if you say, okay, I know that in order for me to show up, be cooperative and act like I got some sense, I need to be paid $100 an hour. Like whatever it is. Right. <laughs> figure out what is going to make you act right, okay? Mm-hmm. Where you're going to be interested. You're not going to be in there feeling resentful. You're not going to feel like you're being taken advantage of. All that good stuff. Because you, right. need, you need to feel like I am here and I am here under fair circumstances. 
Absolutely. Um, so the size of the organization matters too. If you're dealing with billion dollar companies, um, they should pay you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's just what it is. Like you have to look at the size of the organization and what they stand to gain from your presence. So, you know, know whatever your rate is. If, if it's an hourly rate, if it's a day rate, and then what is a day to you? Is it four hours? Is it six hours? Is it eight? Is it 10? What's that right. look like? Right. You have to figure out for you how much you can stand at a time. Travel, what does that look like for you? Um, per diem mm-hmm. is something people don't think to ask for. Travel expenses paid. Um, these are all things that need to be talked about up front, not when they happen later. Right. Your expectations, you know, this is, this is what you all are covering in exchange for what I am doing. Here are the terms of what I'm posting, what I'm doing, where I'm going. And then any, and then always putting in the additional clause of anything outside of what we'd agree, what we have agreed to will be um, negotiated as it arrives or as it becomes Mm -hmm. um, necessary. So any additional, work that we have not discussed here here's my rate for that or will be discussed upon you know arrival of it Mm -hmm. now you seem very knowledgeable about all of this at this point did you are you or were you working with a manager or anything like that at that time to help you negotiate things or have you been doing it all on your own um i've never had a manager um i but I am also a lot older than a lot of the influencers in this space. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't start until, what was I, 31? Yeah, I was 31 when I started my blog, mm-hmm. or about to turn 31, rather. So I had worked in corporate, higher right. ed, you know, been to college twice. Like, I had right. a lot of life under me. So I had already learned how to stand up for myself and and have presence, you know, going to work every day, standing in front of management, <laughs> mm-hmm. put down about stuff, working like, so I'd already kind of had the opportunity to, to do that kind of, um, do that kind of work with myself. Right. So I didn't feel like I needed anyone to speak on my behalf, but I understand that a lot of people may not feel that way. It just depends on what kind of experiences you've had and how, how confident and how strong you feel, but I will tell you, nobody's going to talk about you better than you. So mm-hmm. if you are working with a manager or an agent or something, um, just make sure that they love you the way you do. Um, right, <laughs> right, right. And so <laughs> how long what, were you working with Sally before the conversation evolved into developing an actual line with, branded by you? I started working on the product line two years ago. So wow. not too long after starting the, um, the, the whole idea of me being their texture stylist. Mm-hmm. Um, so not too long after that, I think, and that was also another conversation that was kind of like, a, you know, what would be dope. <laughs> <laughs> they have to love you and your ideas at this point. <laughs> you know what I was thinking? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what um they 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 will they are receptive because the money gets made right that's a key thing that's a key thing if the money's being made they're like yeah girl what you think about now Mm -hmm. yeah see if you if you if you making the money right brand is like yeah girl bring it on what you got what you want to do 
Right, right. Let's talk about it. Let's let's do the do the math and see how it adds up. Um, I think it's just really it comes down to the relationships you develop. Like I have a certain level of comfort with with this organization because of the work that I you know got to do as a blogger with them and you just have to be very diligent about how you approach people and how you work through things. Cause I think the idea of networking is scary to people because they're thinking like, Oh my God, I have to impress this person. I don't mm-hmm. know who doesn't know me. And Oh, I have to figure out something I can do with them immediately. Really mm-hmm. networking is just about being like, Hey girl, how you doing? Mm-hmm. And then it just, you know, having conversations when you follow people online that you're like, dang, I would love to work with him. I'd love to work with her you know, just saying hello in the comments, just being, you know, engaged with whatever they're doing. If there's an event that they're going to be at or hosting and it's within your reach to get to it, go. I mean, it's, it's really those small things that add up in the long run. Um, asking, Hey, can I take you to lunch? If they're, you know, of course, if they're within your immediate reach and where you live, right. Can I take you to lunch? Can I take you for coffee? Whatever you have time for getting in front of people makes a difference. And I think that that's kind of gotten lost since mm-hmm. we became so overly digital. Like, so I get that the landscape is harder because with everything being digital, people are super busy. It's hard to get on people's calendars, but I think people do appreciate that effort. It's like, okay, this person is actually trying to like know me and not just showing up in my DMs asking for something. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when you get to the point of developing your specialized line with Sally's, how did you go about this process? Like what were your thoughts going into this process? Did you have a very specific goal and did you sort of like take them along (laughs) on your journey of what you had in mind? (laughs) Exactly. Talk to us a little bit about the process and what, and was it, was it what you thought it would be in terms of developing your own product line? It is actually a lot harder than people realize. I believe it. Mm -hmm. Uh And I had access to a lot of resource and I still am Mm. overwhelmed. Going in, you know, it was like the formulation process, working with the lab, it's like you have two, two routes you can take there. Either you take their canned formulas, which are things that they have a base for, and then they add key ingredients to, and it's like, here you go. Or you go in and say, here are all the things I want, don't want, will tolerate, won't this, won't that. And they make something from scratch. I did the from scratch way. Mm. Um, now that process actually depends on who you're working with. I had the, I had a good experience because the chemist and the team that I had available to me, they were good. So they weren't, they're not hair people, they're science people. So it is up to me to help them understand this is the reaction I'm looking for. This is the thing when we're getting samples I, you know, had the distinct pleasure of having heads of hair available to me as clients in my salon. So I got mm-hmm. to test stuff on people over time, different textures, had people like, okay, take this home with you and, and use it at home your way and then get back to me about this, this, that. So I had um, access to real heads of hair to try things out on and figure out how they work. My goal was to create salon quality products. A lot of people do not have access to salon quality products because for two reasons, either one, it's out of their budget or two, they can't get it because they don't have a license. There are lots of brands that will not sell to you unless you have a license. You know, being on the stylist side of the fence, I'm like, dang, there's a lot of cool stuff back here that consumers can't even get. 
Mm -hmm. So how do I develop something that mimics those fun functionalities, but at a price point that makes it, makes it accessible to people and having it in a store like Sally that's available, you know, online, in person, there's like 3000 locations, Canada, US, uh, Mexico. So it's like, okay, how do I do this? And it was, that was the hard back and forth of the cop because my formulas were mad expensive. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, okay. And now to be clear, Sally is underwriting all of the costs for all of this, right? Yes. Okay, got it, got so it. So I'm using their resources, mm -hmm. but intellectual property rise, is, that's why it's exclusively available in their stores. Because for me, I was not going to take on um, the process of developing products from scratch in my kitchen with myself kind of thing. There is nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. No, that's not for me. Right, 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 you right. You have to know what kind of entrepreneur you are. Mm -hmm. I am more in the intellectual property business mm -hmm. and the grind it out business. I know who you are as a, as a business person. Like, okay, if I want to create something, do I want to pull all the capital myself or do I want to partner with an entity that has resources already established that I can tap into? That's a lot of what you see on shows like Shark Tank, right? Yeah. And like, hey, you got something I need. I'm going to give you a piece of my business, mm -hmm. my intellectual property, so I can get access to your, you know, logistical things. Right. Absolutely. Did you have any type of hesitation or any stress about this process and entering this process and what it would look like and what, what it meant for you and, and even like, uh, you know, creating this formula and then it being exclusive to Sally, like, were you hesitant? Like, oh gosh, well, this means that if I spend all this time creating these amazing formulas for all the different products, then I can't do anything else with it. Was there any oh, hesitation? No. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, See, correct me, honey. <laughs> you lock yourself up certain ways now. Okay. Like you, you do have um, what they call the appendix of the contract. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if so be it that this thing, that thing, the other, I get this, that, the other. You make right. sure that you protect yourself before you go into something. Right, um, right. Like that makes you sense. To turn over the keys completely. It's like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what y'all are going to do. Here's what we mutually agree to. Um, so it. it's not like a all is lost if this doesn't work out thing. It's, you know, again, yeah. you have to make sure that legally, and that's where it comes in handy to have legal counsel. Like I actually have a friend that I went to college with that, you know, is a, is a practicing attorney. So I'm able to tap into her. Like, does this sound right to you? Do mm -hmm. I, do, okay. This language, is this the right language to get across what I'm trying to tell them? Is this mm -hmm. the right way for this to be written in this contract? Does this make sense? Does this protect me? And she'll tell me like, yep, or, uh, ask for this instead or use, you know, so having legal counsel is definitely paramount right. <laughs> in the process because um, you know, whoever you're dealing with, their legal counsel. And sometimes I've just had to say, can you call their legal team for me? Like you mm -hmm. talk to them because they speak a language. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Language. So you have to just make sure going in that you're protecting your intellectual property, that you're protecting your, your effort, your work, um, how you're paid, the terms of that, all of that stuff. 
I mean, because at the end of the day, the brand doesn't gain anything from not making it work out with you. You know, absolutely, what I mean? like, absolutely. Like, they don't yeah. gain anything from that. They want it to be successful too, so they're right. not sitting around trying to figure out, you know, how to break you down. That's not right. their goal either, because they want it to be successful. So, um, is it stressful? Absolutely. Like mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. Every day. Like I'm still going through changes right now with label vendors. It don't end. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's good to know because we think, yeah, we look at it like, oh, the pro- product is launched. You know, it's amazing. It is never over um, because like, for instance, my Curl Hydrator shampoo did not launch with the rest of the collection October 1st because mm-hmm. two weeks before the launch date, find out that there was a, a fulfillment issue with the shampoo. And it's like, oh, it's going to be late, be delayed a few weeks because it'll take another week to fix that. And then it once it ships and there's like a two to three week lag time between it leaving the manufacturer, getting to the warehouses and into the stores. There's like Mm. that lag time in there. And I'm like, okay, that's not a big deal. They can wait a few weeks for the shampoo. Let's just keep it moving because at some point you just, it's good to just be out there and, you know, you can't have everything perfect. So done is better than perfect. Sometimes you just got to go. Right. Because it had already been pushed back for other things that had happened earlier this year because the product was supposed to come out in the spring. So let's just start. Uh, okay. <laughs> At this point, I'm like, bump this. We go and we Just get it out there. We are going now. The, the You know, the shampoo delayed a couple weeks. It's not going to be that big of a deal. Cool. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. of that, all hell broke loose with my label vendor. Oh. So then I didn't have no labels for the shampoo bottles. So I got shampoo <gasps> bottle, no label. Oh gosh. So it can't go nowhere. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. So then <laughs> I find a label vendor that can quickly do this. Well, they mm-hmm. couldn't do the label the way the first vendor did, did it because they didn't have the, the, the capability, right? Oh, also finding another vendor that could do it the same way was going to take a lot longer because manufacturing tens of thousands of pieces, these manufacturers function in, in, a, in a schedule, right? They right. laid it out. Holidays are coming. Week of Thanksgiving, they're offline. Week between mm. Christmas and New Year's, they're offline. They mm. just like, like everyone else does. So you're already missing some weeks at the yeah. end of the year and they've got a production schedule. I'm like, hey, can you fit me in? And they like, nah. Right. Because <laughs> it, no it's just time. Yeah, timing is just not at the time. Because typically you are giving a manufacturer a, you know, a 60 to 90 day lead time to fit you into a production schedule, not tomorrow. Right, right. right. It's they, not they like just, printing a couple pages off of a print. No, it's not like going to Kinko's. And right. Printing a couple pages. <laughs> it, is, it has to be scheduled. They have to give you samples. You have to sign off on them. That, that process, you know, could be anywhere from three to nine weeks, depending mm. on what you're doing, just mm. to get to the point of starting to produce. So needless to say, that delayed me further unforeseen, and I'm going to have to switch all the next run production to this new label for now, mm. because I can no longer use my first label vendor. Like, wow. you just, you are not going to have control of everything. And you know, brands go through changes all the time. You can't think of one brand whose things you have not seen change and evolve as far as their packaging or mm-hmm. how they sell, their website, their logo, what have you. So all things evolve and change. And it's more difficult the bigger you are to move right. quickly. Like I'm not producing 500 units. I'm asking for runs of 
you know, 10 to 15,000 units per product, I got eight items. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like, so the, so the time is going to be slower because that means there are only so many people that can handle your work. Right. I can't go to a small co-packer that has more agility to move faster. I got to deal with the big guys. Right. Who can actually fulfill the quantities that you need. And they are, they're slower as a Mm -hmm. result because they're bigger. Mm -hmm. Now what this is making me think is what is, what does Sally's do? I, because, because I guess my, and this is why I'm glad we're talking about this because not only me, but I'm sure that there are other people too, where you think that you see Mo has this brand. It looks amazing. She's working with Sally's. Oh my gosh. She must've just slapped her name on there. And this is a, right. And, And now I'm getting that obviously. Right. But you're giving me even more context in terms of how much work you're actually doing so break it down for us is this very similar to if you had put up all the capital and you were doing all the legwork to create your own product line except for the fact that you are doing it with sally's who's underwriting it see i feel like it depends on what it is you're trying to do and what scale you're trying to do it at like i said okay not willing to start out with the, I'm going to make stuff in my own hands and put it on a website and sell it. That's not mm-hmm. what I wanted to do. And then go to retail later. I'm like, if I'm going, I'm going. Going, yeah. You have to know what kind of entrepreneur you are. Mm-hmm. And you have to figure out how do I best function? Well, I knew I did not want to get tied down to only having capacity to, to make products. Because if you do that process yourself, that is all you're going to do day in and day out. That's it. But I also have other work I do that's like that low-key work that y'all can't see. Things that I'm on contract for with brands that I'm doing behind the scenes that you can't see me doing because I'm working as a consultant. I got to have room for that. You know what I mean? Like, so this is not the only thing I do every day. Mm -hmm. I have some other jobs. Mm -hmm. Things Mm -hmm. that I'm not at liberty to share right now. And I'm also living ahead of myself. I'm already working on something else that's launching next year that I've been working on since last year. So wow, you're usually a year or two ahead of yourself. So you have to determine what is your capacity, how much can you stand, and what do you want to be able to do? And that determines what kind of partnerships you look for mm-hmm. in, in the space that you're dwelling in. Mm-hmm. So, no, so, they are not just do like, no, I am literally doing the day to day. I am in it. I'm sitting here right now staring at a whole bunch of samples with an attitude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this ain't what I asked for. This ain't what I asked for. Right, right, um, right, right. <laughs> uh, you know, I want to touch on, I want to touch on the consulting piece because from my perspective, um, I am not, I, I'm not in the natural hair community in that I know there, there's a lot of you guys who are deep in these streets, right? I have been natural, got a relaxer, been natural, got a relaxer, presently have a relaxer, okay? So I'm not deep in the, the community, right? But from an outsider looking in, it feels like maybe some of the momentum around some of the conversations have died down. I would love to hear what your thoughts are on that and The reason that I'm asking that too is because sometimes people, I guess you could say in this space right now are looking at functions of being an influencer or a blogger and things like that as like career goals 
be all end all. That's all I want to do. That's what, that's how Mm -hmm. I'm going to make my money. Right. But I can tell that you are, you, you've obviously said you had career, a career before this. So you're going, you went into this with a different mindset and a different objective, obviously. And you are thinking bigger and you're thinking ahead and you seem to be a planner as well. What does it look like from your perspective in terms of the natural hair industry and how things are sort of the, the the direction is sort of going in and then how do you make moves based on what your thoughts are about the, the industry um i think it's like every other boom and burst we've seen right so mm-hmm. happened with real estate back in 08 that's how we ended up in that recession everybody was right. houses selling houses buying houses and then all the everything <laughs> turned upside down and a lot of people <laughs> lost their homes and lost their businesses and all of a sudden we're in a recession right yeah. it happens all the time there's the silicon valley you know bubble burst that 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 was experienced like it's always like a good thing starts happening and then everybody runs to the good thing Mm-hmm. And then the good thing gets spread too thin, and then everybody's got to retreat. Right. So I won't say that natural, like natural hair, is definitely not a trend. I don't feel like it's one of those things that we're gonna wake up tomorrow and everybody's gonna go back to relaxer mm-hmm. only. I feel like we're just gonna continue to have a mix. You're gonna have people who relax, people who are natural, people who wear extensions, people who wear braids, primarily locks, all of these you know, amazing ways to take care of our hair. So I think that piece of it will always be. But how the industry works with it, I think is starting to evolve because brands got excited, right? They're like, yeah. oh, wow, these are people who have connection to the audience and they're creating reviews. Let's work with them. And right. then they started to work with a lot of them and found out like, ooh, some of these people ain't workable. Because <laughs> um, I, this is the thing. I'm on the back end of a lot of stuff. I have helped brands set up activations with influencers. Mm. I have helped brands select people for activations. Mm-hmm. I've worked as a consultant for a lot of brands. Like people just think like, oh, oh she, she just makes videos. Like, I'm actually responsible for some of the videos some people are making and they don't know it. Right. Ooh, I love this. I love this. Cause so this there's is the stuff lot, I want to hear. There's a lot back there. There's a lot. Mm. I mean, I've worked with a lot of PR agencies. I've worked with a lot of brands and I've had dinner with a lot of owners of these brands, mm. mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, I hear from their mouths what they're thinking about the landscape of the blogger sphere, what they think about the landscape of, influencer marketing and this that and the other and a lot of brands are pulling in the reins right it's like they're not going to disappear from working with influencers but it becomes okay we got to get this in a more um organized fashion that we can be we can apply metrics to exactly we have Mm -hmm. to be able to account for why we're we're doing things this way and figuring out you know how do you deal with influencer reach when the platforms have made it very difficult for you to have control of how your audience interacts with you. Absolutely. So brands have to account for that piece of it now too. It's like, dang, you know, what we thought we would get out of this, we might not have control of it unless we go in and do paid promotion. Okay, if we're going to go and do paid promotion on top of paying the influencer, how do we track that metric? What links are we using? Da, 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 da. It's a thing. Mm. I mean, there are entire marketing agencies dedicated to gathering metrics and helping businesses understand where their brand is, what the value of their brand is, what their footprint is. These, you know, this stuff has to go into their bottom line. They, right. at the end of the day, if it don't make money, it don't make sense and they get out. I feel like 
they're the influencer world has gotten really really big and that's not a bad thing because yeah having perspective and having options and being able to see so many people doing amazing things is definitely a good thing i feel like if you're going into it as this i would like this as a career path i would definitely reconsider that thought process around it mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. think around what what does this step me into mm. what do i actually want to do outside of this because I, I i cannot in my mind 20 years from now see youtube the way it is now a matter of fact i know it ain't gonna be what it is now because yeah. i sat on um committees for them too so okay yeah i already know what's coming mm. um Mm -hmm. this stuff will continue to evolve all these platforms instagram facebook youtube they're all going to keep evolving because as they grow they have to figure out how to stay in business exactly exactly i was having a conversation with someone last night who went to a i guess it was kind of like a panel and reps from instagram were there and they were talking about and showing their shop platform and yeah. and really um letting it be known that that is a focus for them mm -hmm. and so she then said when she was being shown like some back-end stuff she then said like oh this feels like amazon uh-huh and and the person from instagram was like does it you know it just kind of like but, you, but it was like a knowing thing and i think that's important for the average person to know because a lot of people that are just getting started and they're seeing what other people have done with their social media followings or their influence and they're thinking i want to try and create that like you said the landscape for everything is continuously changing and for these companies it's about their bottom line and and, and it is also about building community but sometimes that building of community has nothing to do with the influencer per se you know what i mean like it, it's it's tricky, right? So if that's the direction that let's say Instagram is going in, where does that leave an influencer and how do they then need to pivot so that their strategy can work for them and they can, they can last in the space. Those are things that people need to be thinking about. And I love this conversation with you because it's very, very clear to me that you are of a different mindset. You're thinking overall you be able to make money offline. If it yes. shut down tomorrow, if it got wiped off earth and it was gone, can you still live? Right. If not, you better start thinking. Exactly. Exactly. How you're gonna, because these platforms don't belong to us as creators. We don't own them. We do not pay fees for their upkeep. Yep. Um, the only thing you own is what you pay money for. My website I own because I pay for server space. Mm. You know what I mean? To host it. It is. I pay for the domain. It is mine. But like yeah. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we don't own those platforms. We mm -hmm. are allowed to put things on them and they, they own the servers that host the content and they let you use, you know, their tools to talk to your audience. But you don't own the platform. Right. You right. own the content you put on it. It's yours. But that's it. They can take the platform away and they can do whatever they want to that platform. They don't have to run nothing by you. They don't need your approval. Because how long we've been screaming at Instagram, put my timeline back in order. And they're like, y'all be, will be fine. Right. Never going to happen. <laughs> You'll be fine. You'll live. And, and that's the truth. Where, what are you going to do? Stop. Yeah. It. They, they know you're not. They yeah. know you're not. But they also have to continually figure out how they're going to make money because they have salaries and overhead. Exactly. And Instagram ain't running out of somebody's living room. 
Exactly. And- <laughs> like it's, it's a big company and it's a, it takes a lot of manpower to keep this kind of stuff running on the yep. back end. Absolutely. So they got to make money, y'all. They have yeah, to. They're gonna they get, do. They're go- they intend to get their money. Quit Playing Small is the essential source of daily encouragement that you didn't know you needed. It's layers of life lessons, insights, and encouragement all packed into one book that fits in your purse or tote bag. I created this book from the things that I've learned in a 15 plus year career. So it's a mix of what I know for sure and what I wish I knew to help me quit playing small sooner in life. To quit playing small, you have to start with a decision, then action. And the quickest action that you can take today is ordering your copy of Quit Playing Small on Amazon and incorporating it into your daily routine. Just to give you a taste of what you can expect, one of our Amazon reviews said, Motivation to take action is a great summary for this book. If you're energized and inspired by the Switch, Pivot, or Quit podcast, you'll love this book too. The advice is real and will get you all the way together to overcome excuses or any hurdle that's holding you back from greatness. Must read. If you're excited to start stepping into the best version of yourself, make sure to head over to Amazon.com and get your hands on a copy of Quit Playing Small today. They will. And I think the, the thing that I that I was saying to the person I was telling this yesterday was like, look, you know, I, I bet that there's this kind of like conversation that's happening behind the scenes where Instagram is like, yeah, y'all influencers is cool, but we don't get a cut of what y'all make. And so that's why they, that's why they went in and made that algorithm to, to, exactly. to tear us up so that we couldn't figure out when to post anymore to get right. the engagement. That's why they did that. Oh, right, I, right. I and saw that coming. I was like, yeah, they sick of us. We uh-huh. are and they looking around like, hey. None of it. Not not even a penny. <laughs> not even a percentage. Exactly. They, exactly. They, they fixed our behinds because nobody's audiences are growing at the rate that they used to. Right, right, um, right. Because now where your posts, you knew when to post. Now it's like Instagram might show up to 18% of your audience what you post, maybe mm-hmm. that much. It usually is about how much engagement you receive in the first 10 minutes of posting something, how many more people they let see it in right. their timelines. Right. You don't have control of it anymore. So, you know, when people are like, oh, I want to create a YouTube channel, I'm like, I ain't going to tell you don't do it. Just don't mm-hmm. have the expectation that it's going to look like how people who started five or more years ago did. Right, right. Because the organic reach that. is not there. Yeah, You're yeah. You don't have control of your reach at all. You're not going to know any of this stuff. And it's just, um, and there's just a lot more people in the space and brands have gotten a lot more careful and leery about who they will work with and what they will do because they figured out like this is the wild west Mm -hmm. um it's too much going on out here we have to you know manage our resources properly so where it may have been like oh we we just want to work with everyone and then they're like "Mm, actually we need to pick some people and stick it there yeah you know i'm interested to hear your thoughts on the likes going away situation especially from working with brands type of perspective what are your thoughts on it? Like, is it, cause I, I, I said that I thought it might be a little less interesting now because I think people don't realize how much they paid attention to the likes and and that helped to make them decide whether they were going to engage with something or not. What are your thoughts on it or, or what has your experience been so far? Um, I don't know. Mine still hasn't flipped over yet to see. Oh, um, okay. I, so I'm not sure yet, but I don't, I don't think 
it's a big deal because you will still have access to your insights if you have a um, an account set up as a business account through Instagram right. connect to your Facebook. You still get your insights, so you'll still be able to see mm-hmm. the same information. It's just not showing it to the people who are um, following your your content. So I don't know. I mean. I don't know if people psychologically feel like, oh, I'm going to like this picture because it's not got a lot of likes yet, or, oh, it has enough likes. I'm not giving it another one. I don't know if people think like that or not. I don't. When I'm scrolling, I just, you know, double tap the stuff. I'm not really yeah. concerned about how many likes are already there. I, yeah. I don't know if people think that hard or not. I'm actually not sure. I think it will, hopeful, I think it hopefully will be able to maybe give people some ease if they have anxiety around what they post because a lot of influencers you know you think because people share their stuff with you publicly that they are you know these big bubbly outgoing extroverted people and typically that's not it Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know social anxiety the way the way it's set up like you can present yourself a certain way because if you're at home posting pictures well there's no one to talk to you there's no one to interact with it's just you're still alone Mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you can do it that way but then when you get in public and have to be around people you're frazzled you don't know what to do it's uncomfortable. Yeah. so yeah. you know you post something and if you're a person that's you know got a lot of anxiety around how your content goes through it may be giving you anxiety to watch that light count move i don't know right right no yeah i absolutely agree with you um what would have been useful for you to know before embarking on your current career path <laughs> it would have been <laughs> <laughs> that little laugh. Because <laughs> you know, you just—I don't—I don't really like the press re- rewind. I'm not a person that likes to be like, I, if I would have known then what I know now. Because if I would have known then what I know now, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, like that's why mm-hmm. God don't tell you was coming. Because if you knew all the giants you were gonna face, you'd be like, no, I'm good. I'm gonna stay here. Right, just in the I, little corner I, because it's easier. Yeah. I'm my business over here, Lord. You keep your blessings. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> if you knew too much so right right uh, like nah can't really think that way because i wouldn't have made the moves if i knew the things i would have to sacrifice and endure along Mm -hmm. the way Mm -hmm. um people are typically watching your outcomes and not all the things you went through to get there right all of the 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 breakdowns and the and the doubts and the fear and you know things that physically happen to you health-wise and your family relationships like you know we are still people living and breathing and existing in the world outside of what you know us to be doing like yeah you know me for hair but i also have a family i also have had relationships i've also had you know health things come up and go around and it's like i'm still a person too yeah absolutely so i feel like if i you know if i think about something i would have wanted to be maybe more warned about i guess to answer Mm -hmm. your question Mm -hmm. um be prepared that the further you go, the more you are going to run up against people who are going to try to discourage you mm. or or make you feel bad or, you know what I mean? Like you're going to run into the, the community. There's always a community of people out there that thrive on being mean to other people. Right. Absolutely. On yeah. the internet. I mean, we see it on mm-hmm. every, any celebrity you follow, any, whatever it is, you mm-hmm. see them getting just talked reckless to. I right. Mean, just, woo! Yeah. Like, they're not a human being with feelings. Like, we're all human. Like, they don't, like, they're a fictitious 
character or something like they're not even a person so that's something you are never prepared to really digest because you're like whoa Mm -hmm. why are you talking to me like this one you have to remind yourself i don't know who this person is they know me i don't know them yeah that's one two i don't know what people are you never know what people are going through or how they are choosing to digest whatever version of them of yourself that they have made up for them to interact Mm -hmm. you know people make up versions of you as you to be like well she's this she's that but you don't know her you never met her right Right. You, you, just because she, a person didn't do what you wanted them to do doesn't make them wrong. It doesn't mean that they've done something to you because they don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to be able to ground yourself and say, okay, I am not going to engage in internet thuggery. And <laughs> right, right. This Speak- is unnecessary. I don't know where this person is coming from. I don't know what their point of reference is. I don't know why they feel the way they feel. And, you know, if you are spending your God-given good energy, time, talent, and resource to run around the internet and attack people, you could totally be doing something so much more productive. Right. You could yeah. totally be making, you know, your life better or helping someone around you. Like your time could be so much better spent. And that will always be the difference between people who do well and people who stand still is mm-hmm you're too worried about what other people are doing instead of focusing on your own stuff and where you spew negativity and hate at people, the atmosphere is going to return it to you some way, some shape, somehow. Mm. What does personal development mean to you and what purpose or role has it served in your life? Um, I feel like personal development to me is always making myself stretch further as a Christian, like Mm. learning over and over again, what it's like to be one. Like as a kid, you know, it's like, God is good. God is great. That's the version of Jesus. You know, you get to be a teenager, high school, maybe college. It's like, okay, God, looking forward to this next thing we're doing. Thank you (laughs) for today. And you get, you get what I call equal exchanges. You say, God, please help me pass my test. And God, does something to help you. Like you get an exchange, everything you ask for, you kind of get some kind of visible exchange for it. And you're like, yay, God, mm-hmm. then you get a little further. And God's like, okay, I've given you some receipts. I've shown you I'm real. I've answered some of your prayers. Now you're going to have to come along with me in a way you may not want to come. I'm not mm-hmm. going to give you what you asking for this way. You're going to have to step first and then I'm going to do something. Mm-hmm. You want to trust me first. So it's like, the development for me is learning over and over again how to be a Christian and how to how to keep going when I don't want to keep going. How to, you know, not put my hands and stir stuff around, but wait for God to move the mountain or help me through the obstacle. Because a lot of times we mess up what we're supposed to be doing because we just won't wait a minute. Mm. <laughs> we won't just stop. Like, just stop trying to manipulate it. Stop trying to stir the pot. Stop calling this person. Well, make sure you tell such and such this. Okay. When I call such and such, stop, just stop. Mm. What are you doing? Hold on a second. Ask God, tell God what you need and then go have a seat. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Yeah. Of your strengths, which ones have significantly helped you to get to where you are today in your opinion? Um, I feel like it's the, the resilience factor. It's the, I don't expect to every day feel on top of the world and perfect, okay. but tomorrow's another day. Mm-hmm. So if I, you know, some days 
you wake up and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this, this, and that. And then things just start falling apart. Somebody say something rec- reckless to you on the internet. Your boss <laughs> say your mom and them doing something. Mm-hmm. Get, whatever happens that just completely throws off your idea of what your day was going to be. I allow myself to just go ahead and feel frustrated. Mm-hmm. Feel mad, be annoyed. And sometimes I'll just be like, you know what? I'm done for the day. I ain't doing nothing. <laughs> I'm checking out. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Clocked out. Good day. I'm done with this. Yeah. Yeah. With tomorrow with a, with a, with a fresh mind. It's like, you know, God gives you your daily bread, your daily allotment of grace. And sometimes you just use it all up in one place. <laughs> so, but you have to allow yourself to fall apart a little bit. You have, I feel like you just have to let things feel how they feel. Even if you don't know why you feel that way, because trying to act like, you know, you're not allowed to feel hurt or pain or confusion or anxiety and trying to tell yourself like, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Well, actually, Mm. I don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. I hope the further you go with God, the more stressed out you're going to get because he's going to make them challenges on you a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to be more stressed because you're going to be looking around like, God, I thought we was on the same page. Hey, <laughs> right. so what's, what's happening here? <laughs> so yeah. you're absolutely going to be stressed out and frustrated, but you mm. just have to be patient with yourself because you're human and you're going to experience a lot of human emotion, but you just say, okay, tomorrow is a new day. Mm-hmm. I'm trying yeah. this again. We're going to get it done. And, you know, even if you can only check off one thing on your to-do list, you did something. So, you know, for me, it's the resilience factor. Today, I might not be feeling it, but tomorrow I'm going to get it done. And no matter what happens, we're going to keep going. Mm-hmm. Do you have a morning routine? I do. I actually, I get up um, and work out. That's the first thing I want to do. Okay. Um, that's the time where I can listen to what I want to listen to if it's listening to a sermon or music or whatever and just kind of, you know, get my body awake, get my mind moving, Um, maybe even think about a little bit like, okay, how do I want to do this today? Do I want to run that errand first or do this later? Mm -hmm. Maybe like little mental notes about what I'm going to do with the rest of the day. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I like that as my time to like get up, get moving, get active and when you work from home, you work for yourself, you have to do things to kind of get out, out of your space a little bit. Right. You have to tell yourself to go outside or you end up with cabin fever. You know, you're having a staff <laughs> meeting, you are staff, you're talking to yourself. All <laughs> <day>. <laughs> you know, you talk to yourself all yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Whether it's like you're actually saying something aloud or you're just in your own head, you're, you're right. talking to yourself all day. You have to do things to, like, excuse yourself from the meeting that you're having to yourself all the day. <laughs> Not something, excuse yourself. <laughs> something that's completely different than the work you do. Like, okay, right. work it out. That has nothing. I'm not a fitness blogger. So this is an escape from mm-hmm. something. You know, you got to find something to do every day that, that has nothing to do with what you do. Have you made any missteps that you later realized were a good learning lesson? I know you don't like to look back, but has there been anything that you were like, oof, that that wasn't how I thought that was going to work out, but actually maybe this is what it taught me or this is what I learned from it, or it was good because of X, Y, Z. I feel like it's always, I feel like it's always good to feel like everything you went through was perfectly meant for you. Mm-hmm. Everything was perfectly meant for you. Things that did what you thought or didn't think, and I've learned over time to let go of what I think things are supposed to look like. 
Mm. Um, because my ideas are never big enough. God's always going to find something better. What I think is not enough. What I ask for ain't big enough. So it's, you have to get out of the mindset of, oh, I wish that never happened. Well, if it didn't, you wouldn't be at the next stage. Like if I didn't feel hurt there, I wouldn't be triumphant here. If I didn't get told no to that, I wouldn't have got the yes over here because I would have been over there. Like perfect example, I was applying, when I was applying for jobs in 2012 to try to change career path, Let's say that one of one of those jobs came through and I got hired. Mm, mm-hmm. There's no Mono's hair. Yeah. Because I would have gone into that environment, into that mm-hmm. structure and started working and been on, you know, been on some other trajectory. Mm-hmm. I had to get told no there. Yeah. Yep. It had to not work. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. What role does having a vision for your life or creating a vision play in making significant changes? I... Again, I am just like, every time I thought I wanted something a certain way, God shows me that. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like you're like, for me, vision is how do I continue to do things that help me be um, better as a person so God can use me? Mm, I like There's a reason I have, like, we all have a set of characteristics and personality traits, physical traits that make us who we are. We all got. a a pot of stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people like to harp on the, well, I need to improve this X, Y, Z thing that I perceive to be a weakness. It's probably something that's not a weakness. You just ain't figured out how to use it to your advantage yet. Mm -hmm. You ain't figured out what to do with it. So it's, it seems like it's bothering you, but really you just don't know how to use it or you're allowing other people to tell you what it should be. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, people love to tell you what you ought to do. Mm-hmm. which ought to say where you ought to go, <laughs> but you can't let that stuff make you feel like something you're doing or something you have is wrong. Because if God wanted you to be something else, he'd have given you something else to be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I don't feel, I feel like your vision should always be, how do I use the things, even the things I may not like, how do I use them God for your kingdom? How do I use them better? How do I help people? How do I, you know, make these things functional in the grand scheme of life? How do I use my things? And it's hard. It is so hard because you, you get very bogged down sometimes in what people are going to say or think. And you just have to remember at the end, you're not going to be held accountable for anyone but you. What does success mean or look like for you? To me, success is feeling like I did everything I could do with the best intention and all of the energy that I could find in that moment to put something good into the world that my friends and family are, you know, satisfied and happy and proud of me. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what it really looks like. Like at the end of the day, whatever I released into the atmosphere, did it help somebody Mm -hmm. some way or another? Um, I think that's what success really looks like. I feel like, you know, there's always numbers and stuff you can calculate, but at the end of the day, um, your, your impact and what you're able to do to help people is what matters. And, you know, giving, giving yourself a little pat on the back sometimes is helpful because a lot of times for entrepreneurs, you feel like you're not, you always feel like you're supposed to be doing something else too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You always feel like you didn't do enough. Like I should do this. I should be doing that. I should be doing this. Sometimes you need to just pat yourself on the back for, you know what? 
I did good with that. I mm-hmm. It was on time. <laughs> you, sometimes you just got to step back and, and, and just be grateful for, for the little things along the way and pat yourself on the back because it is yeah. rough out here. Ooh, you ain't never lied. Yes, yes, um, yes. Everybody is running a race. You know, yeah. everybody's running a race. Nobody has everything figured out mm-hmm. at all. Like, we're all making our, our best laid plans, and sometimes they will fall through. And that's it. You just, like I said, you betting, you betting on black. You just mm-hmm. bet that it works out. <laughs> <laughs> Putting all your money on the table. Like, hey, we yeah. don't this on 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 this and we're gonna see what happens yeah. and if i pivot i have to pivot later we go right Right. Yep. Yep. That's so true. That's so, so true. Um, thank you so much, Mo, for spending time with us and just sharing your journey with us. Cause I think it was probably going to be really, really helpful for so many people and just understanding themselves and how they can navigate things and how you've managed to do all the things that you've been able to do. I appreciate you. Yes. Thank you. Hopefully, you know, everybody finds something. I'm sure they will. Helpful to them because there's enough room for everybody to win. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I must say hello for my mom because yes, because, okay, first things first, my mom listens to the podcast for anybody who didn't know she listens, right? Okay. Second thing we're in Sally's the other day, my mom, my aunt, and me, we're there. And I was just looking at all the products, right? Everybody who has products on the shelf. And I was like, Oh, there's most products. Oh my gosh. And here go my mama. I know Mo. I follow her. I've been following her for years. She has beautiful hair. And I was like, <laughs> Yes, I was like, You do. I didn't know you follow her. And I was like, Okay. And I was like, Well, I'm going to interview her in what, a couple of weeks or whatever. So I had to t- just say, You know, oh, mom follows you. Thank you. <laughs> I said, Thank you. I will. I will. And so for everybody else who needs to follow you and know what you have going on and wants to continue to be inspired by your journey, let them know where they can follow you, hang out with you, connect with you, all that good stuff. So I am at Mono's Hair on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and my website is monoshair.com. And there is an option to subscribe there for um, weekly newsletter updates. So yeah, I'm I'm on the social media streets. I feel like I'm on Instagram more probably, but you right. know, <laughs> Yes, thank you so much for your time. And as always, you guys, be good. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Access and Opportunity, a podcast from Morgan Stanley. Women and entrepreneurs of color traditionally have a hard time accessing capital to start or grow their businesses. Join Vice Chairman Carla Harris as she introduces us to the dynamic investors, entrepreneurs, policymakers, and others working to close the funding gap for these entrepreneurs. Listen and subscribe to Access and Opportunity on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Access and Opportunity, a podcast from Morgan Stanley. Women and entrepreneurs of color traditionally have a hard time accessing capital to start or grow their businesses. Join Vice Chairman Carla Harris as she introduces us to the dynamic investors, entrepreneurs, policymakers, and others working to close the funding gap for these entrepreneurs. Listen and subscribe to Access and Opportunity on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.